Amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But under the right circumstances, a producer could make more money with a flop than he could with a hit. Hmm. Yes, it's quite possible. Welcome to the NFC Police Show, the only show keeping the NFC East honest. Williams, how are you doing today, man? Uh, feeling tired. Not not sure I'm ready to talk about all this, but we'll <laughs> Just, get there. Is it is it physical exhaustion or like spiritual and emotional exhaustion at this point? More. It's a it's a little bit of everything, you know. Because <laughs> uh, besides the Giants. I'm feeling pretty good, but the Giants are so bad that I'm just feeling, you know, drags everything else down just a little bit. Well, let's let's uh let's start the episode there so that we go we can only go up from that point. Yeah. Um, uh, so the Giants and Washington played on Thursday night football. Um, Giants lose a heartbreaker, a game that you probably probably should have or could have won. Um, to the Washington football team. Um, I I was not watching. I had to watch later. It was funny getting texts from you um, all the way through, at watching your emotional journey throughout. Why, why don't you Why don't you take the listeners through how you were feeling on Thursday night? <laughs> yeah. So um, I think my first caveat is Thursday night football is a mess, like ninety percent of the time. Very rarely is it a good product. They should get rid of it. Uh, All football should be played on Sunday. I think we've probably mentioned that one before, and I stand by it. Get rid of Monday night football, get rid of Thursday, etc. But it looked like a game played between two very bad teams, Um, just two kind of teams that have regressed pretty hard, don't have their identities settled in yet, and classic NFC East rock fight, you know, just slop fest. So back and forth in very dramatic fashion, but it was always back and forth because a team did something stupid, not because a team did something exceptional. You know, when two good teams (laughs) play each other, it's like, like they're one upping each other and like guys are breaking off runs and like their deep balls. This is like, Oh, it's another holding penalty on like what otherwise would be a touchdown. And that changes everything. (laughs) <laughs> so it's more that kind of game fans of bad football teams at any level know exactly what i'm talking about um and it was it was fun in one way and i was a little more emotionally divorced from the outcome just because week one was so tough but probably some some promising takeaways that we can dig into for both teams as well as maybe some delusional takeaways that i'm sure we'll discuss for both teams but uh, a a roller coaster ride on the kind of roller coaster where it feels like it might collapse and you will die. Yeah, I I mean my biggest takeaway, kind of getting a vibe from this game, watching the highlights was you know the least is back, baby. Week one felt kind of like a warm up. This was this was really the main course of the football I'm used to seeing from this division. Just it's the this back game. And forth. This game could have been played at the link last year. <laughs> it easily could have, man. Uh, like 
I mean, a few positives. I I still thought that the the Giants' offense was trying to do the right things this game, and I think the fact that they hung twenty nine on a Washington defense that even last week, you know, we, we said they weren't lights out like they were towards the tail end of last year, but still looked like a pretty good defense. Um, liked love seeing Daniel Jones uh, open up his legs a bit, even though that touchdown got called back. Um, liked a lot of the stuff they were trying to do in the passing game. Uh, man, I mean, how do you feel so far about Kadarius Tony? Like the, I know that he's getting a lot of memes. Just, uh, I think it's kind of undeserved at this point. But what are your feelings on it? Yeah, it's one of those weird um, cases of a guy who his. I'm I'm going to do some tea leaf reading here. I don't really know Kadarius Tony at all, but. <laughs> <laughs> in case you were it's, curious, yeah, you don't it's really, hang out. Yeah, all every every judgment about persons is most accurate. <laughs> when you don't know nothing about them whatsoever. However, really. <laughs> what what the feeling that I get is somebody who is very unaccustomed to how the New York City media market works mm-hmm. and how his actions will be blown out of proportion, which is what I think happened. He had a a very difficult off season for a number of reasons. There was some weird stuff going on. Um, nothing that I would think you could really point fingers at him for per se, as far as I know. Um, but then it comes down to, from a Giants fan perspective, this dude looked kind of like a gadget player from the jump. You got beaten to Devonta Smith, who looks quite good. Um, granted, I'm not on. I'm a firm believer in like not taking skill position players like in the first round 95% of the time anyway. So I'm out, I'm out on both Kadarius, Tony and Smith for that reason. But I, I think for them right now, the giants fans are looking around and being like, hold on, like how can we still be, he looks like a flop, you know, or at least he looks like a guy where like, he's not going to be a stud, which is, yeah probably you know a pretty reasonable assumption to make at this point even two games in guys who show flashes show flashes and it hasn't super happened yet um and by that i mean i think he has negative two yards on the year so it is really funny it's unfair but (laughs) yeah i i get why he is just the scapegoat for larger frustrations because he's a microcosm of how so much has gone wrong for this franchise yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I I do get why um, why the memes are there just because of the Devonta Smith kind of um, we got Eagles got to him first and negative two yards through two games is objectively hilarious. But I just you know again putting my uh, my unbiased hat on for a little bit um, those kind of mid to late round first wide receivers sometimes you hit sometimes they're just middle of the road gadget guys for their entire career. And that's just how it is. You know, like I think of Nelson Aguilar, I think, uh, you know, a few others in that category. And sometimes you strike gold later, you know, but yeah. I, I really don't think, and once you get beyond like 10 overall and the real true physical specimens at wide receiver, it becomes a real crapshoot that, that position. So I, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Like I Corner uh, Patterson. Yeah, kind of, kind of was that dude for a long, long time. Yeah, that was actually one in my head that I didn't verbalize because I wasn't. There was something in the back of my mind that was like, "Was he drafted in the first round?" But he was. Um, 
But yeah, so yeah, so I mean, let, let's just flip over to Washington for a second. Um, I, I, too early to tell for me what's going on here, um, based on our picks for that for them to be the favorite in this division. Uh, I don't know. The Giants' defense was bad last week. I don't know whether you can actually judge Taylor Heineke in this offense against the Giants' defense right now. Um, and also, I don't know whether it was just the Giants' offense had a good game plan against the defense. I'm excited to see them against the Bills next week. I think that'll be, be more the contender-pretender sort of early-season litmus test. But really, really weird up-and-down first two games for this Washington team. Yeah, I I agree. We're, I'm I would love to talk about Heineke at some point. To me, the this game was also weird because there were so many penalties, especially penalties at like key game decision, like swinging moments. It's kind of hard to get a clear takeaway on like what teams were actually executing and what teams were kind of stumbling into lucky situations on yeah. both sides of the ball. Um, I'm I'm not a I, I feel like I'm going insane when I see Washington fans talk about Heineke. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to bring this up. Yo, the overreaction to Taylor Heineke is my favorite early season trend, like storyline that's happening right now. It's insane. I, it's nuts. <laughs> this, it, it, it speaks so much to a franchise that hasn't had a good quarterback I guess there's the RG3 season, but, like, who's their quarterback before that? Like, Joe Theismann? Like, who is the last great Washington quarterback? And they're just looking at, like, this truly, like, 22nd best quarterback in the league type guy (laughs) and being like, oh, my God. Like, he is the chosen one. It's (laughs) unbelievable. I don't know if some of it's ironic and I'm, like, just not deep enough into, like (laughs) – the DC headspace to figure it out, but it's, it's, it's depressing to me. Yeah. I mean, I sent you that text from, I, I don't know what Facebook or Reddit thread it was on, but some, what some very bold Washington fan said something along the lines of I've seen enough. Taylor Heideke can start for this football team. And I'm like, you've seen enough. <laughs> like Teddy Bridgewater looked incredible against the giants last week. Like he looked like, peak Brady just slicing us apart and then Heineke came in and he kind of looked he looked good overall I guess but like like every Heineke game is like Washington on the precipice of losing and Washington fans freaking out about it like no I in my opinion it's sort of Stockholm syndrome on the level of Jalen Hurts and the Eagles last year where if you're dripped 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 just horrible quarterback play anything looks better in comparison, but then you look back at what you're getting hyped over and it's literally a one and two record with like, <laughs> yeah. with, with like maybe uh, like four or five touchdowns across three games. And that's, I mean, I think the one thing with Heineke that really I noticed just, just eye test wise, don't all of his passes seem very highly arced and like, three feet above the catch radius of the receivers. He juices everything. (laughs) It's incredible. I mean, full (laughs) credit to the Washington wide receivers for actually climbing up and getting those balls. But like, I, like I was, uh, when I was watching the highlights of that game, I was like, 
a better defense picks off at least two of these balls and then murders three wide receivers trying to go up and get it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like, oh man, I I really hope Washington demands to see more before they start <laughs> crowding this guy. <laughs> I know I'm They're demanding not. to see more. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope he proves us wrong. That would be yeah. cool. I, I, I love his name. Everyone loves an old Dominion by root of uh, the uh, what was the league he played in? Was it like the American Association for Football or something? AAF or whatever? Yeah. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone loves that story. Um, it would be fun. It would be very NFC least for this guy. I want to be a believer. You know what? You're right. I do, for the brand of this podcast, I want to be a believer. I just can't yet. You it's know? not going to happen. <laughs> I think we need to start like a Heineke watch, you know, like, you know, like <laughs> I will in the same way we're going to cross off teams. Once we consider them out of playoff contention, I want to, I want to demarcate when the season I then I go in on Heineke, you know, like yeah. it's like an inverse right. hot seat. When, when, when we, when we switch from a, from a sell to buy Heineke stock. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, It's like an inverse hot seat. It's like when we go from sell to buy, it's a Jim Kramer buy situation. Yeah. Like okay. I'm going to walk in hot one podcast and just like, I'm slapping the buy button, baby. It may never come. Right. And we like, we might be shorting Taylor, Taylor Heineke stock into oblivion, but I want to make that, let's make that a thing we're monitoring. So yeah, <laughs> so speaking of which like going ahead i i actually love the matchups for both of these teams next week because the falcons are a team the giants could and should be able to beat even though they've been bad the first two games of the season i think the falcons have been worse the first two yeah. games of the season and the bills i think one of the best teams in football again this year and I think this is a real. This could be the Heineke buy button game if he shows up <laughs> and, <laughs> and lights okay, up the yeah. Buffalo Bills. <laughs> yeah, which which one should we hit first? Um, let's talk about Giants Falcons. Here, here's another thing uh, I want to say. If we're if we're starting the Heineke buy monitor, Giants have to be the first team on our on our cross off hot seat. I don't. I'm not saying this week at all, but I think they're the mm. they're the they're the closest one. Sean, you look, you look like you're ready to do it right now. <laughs> no, no, no. But you did, you did beat me to it. Uh, if the Giants lose this week, I'll tell you right now, you'd have to be insane to not cross them off. <laughs> oh my God! Three weeks you'd in, you have to be insane. Yes. They're, in they're a division, be, in a division that will likely be. One two and one team with two one and two teams. Yes, <laughs> the Giants are zero and three. Only two yes. games out, they're crossed yes. up. <laughs> Dead in the water. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I don't think they'll lose. I think they're going to win, and I actually think they're going to look good doing it. It's going to be a little bit of an optical illusion, but I stand by that. Uh, but if they lose, they're 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 cooked. Forget about it. Yeah. I did, for what it's worth, like, Falcons still looked bad last week, but they were still trying some things on offense and looked more competent than they did against the Eagles in week one. 
Um, like that, that, that Buccaneers game didn't really get out of hand for them until like mid fourth quarter. So, I mean, I don't, I think they're like not as bad as in week one. I think they might grow into the season a bit, not to be yeah. good, but like they no, might I, be like I agree. five and 11, six, you know, whatever, or six and 11, uh, you know, five and 12 or whatever by the end of the year. Yeah. But, that, but all that said, like that's still, that's still what we pegged the giants at as yeah. well. <laughs> and the, oh, and the giants are, the giants are coming in with another three days of rest. Like, yeah. And they're at home. Like you just can't. Yeah. And the, the I, locker room is already pretty tense in New York. It seems like I, I just think this is literally a must win. Yeah, I, I I think you're right, um, and I do think it's it's not. There's a reason why I brought up the cross off. I I, 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 don't, I don't think I'm strong enough to do it week three, but it is. I think that's that's as much of a bellwether as a must win, you know, as I can possibly offer. You know, yeah, we we should um, you know what we should do is um, like cross off points where. When oh, you, like if you're bold enough to do it early, yes. you get more rewarded at the end of the year. Yes, like like yeah. you add up all the weeks, yeah. and whoever has yeah. the most points wins. But if any of your team that you crossed off makes the playoffs, you're just out. Let's. You know? I'm gonna I'm gonna draft that up. We we should propose it and get the listeners in on that next show. That would be that would be good. Yeah, yeah. let's do that. Um, I like that idea. But yeah, I'm with you though. I don't think we're going to cross them off next week. I think they're going to get a win, and I think it'll probably look convincing. I think I think they'll probably win something like 34 to 21, um, yeah. but be pretty much in control the entire time. Yeah, yeah, that that sounds. I, I think uh, 28 to 24. I think it's going to feel pretty close, but maybe ultimately isn't super close. I do think Saquon who has looked super gun-shy through the first two games after multiple lower leg injuries, I do think this is the game where he starts to look look hot and assert himself. Yeah, I think this is a Saquon comes alive type game. I, I would love to see it for the Giants as well. And then yeah. uh, Washington, Buffalo, uh, I think the Bills win this one pretty convincingly. Uh, I'm not going to slap the Taylor Heineke buy button before this preview. I think that offense probably comes down to earth a little bit against the Buffalo defense. And like I said, you know, I, I still think this Washington defense has talent and I still think they're going to be very good this year, but they're clearly not firing on every cylinder they're capable of. If Kyle Rudolph can pancake Chase <laughs> Young, <laughs> it's clear, it's clear they need to, you know, hit the gyms and work on things a little bit more to really grow into. What <laughs> yeah, that's you're right. Chase young hasn't hit the gym enough. That's a good take <laughs> from you. <laughs> um, Should have saved no. them up at the end of the app. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I'd love to see our combined, like queen and jerk totals versus chase young's singular. Uh, in any case yeah I, I this is a game that washington can't win i still believe in washington like a fool um but i i like i don't think they're gonna win this one but i do give them a chance that said i think it's gonna be buffalo in a in a kind of reverse washington grind fest 20 to 17 
Who? Uh, I think it's gonna be a little more decisive. I think it's gonna be something like I'm gonna give them. I'm gonna give the Bills 34 as well. Same as the Giants. Okay. 34 to 17. Okay. Wow. All right. I stand by it. Okay. We'll see. That's good. Uh, I've been horrible with my picks so far. I don't know if you saw last night, but I hit the Lions money line after week one. Yeah, that was insane. <laughs> that was a bad decision. Uh, Classic you know. bait money line because the Packers did so poorly week one. But Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I forgot, you know, I forgot you know, the Packers were at home. That was what it you, was. <laughs> you know what it is for you? I know exactly how you – I don't know exactly how you think about everything – that was an Eagles homer pick because <laughs> you know it was too. Because Detroit barely lost to San Fran week one. San Fran beats the Eagles. Hey, the Eagles are pretty good. Ipso facto, San Fran's really good. So Detroit's pretty good. And then they it turns out they're not that good. Uh, and that's really, how you end up losing really money on good. the Lions. It looked really good until last time. <laughs> It looked really good until then. Oh, man. Anyway, I, all right. <laughs> it's early season for me, too. I need to hit the gym with Chase Young. <laughs> 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 all right, let's go into uh, let's go into Cowboys and Eagles. Uh, that's the big marquee this week. We get another weird non-Sunday uh, primetime game from the NFC East to start this year. The Cowboys and Eagles are on Monday. Um Let's talk a bit about their games last week and then roll into the preview of the big one. It's Dallas week, baby. I'm, I'm pumped. It's going to be a good week. But uh, <laughs> let's talk about the Eagles-Niners first. Really weird, really weird game. Like truly a bizarre game in terms of the outcome. Um, the Eagles, I hate making this argument. It's such a fan argument because at the end of the day, I truly believe the score reflects what you deserve to score in that game. But man, it really felt like the Eagles left a lot of points on the field and their defense was dominating the 49ers offense for the entire first half. And then in my mind where the game really just started getting away from the Eagles was when both Brandon Brooks and Brandon Graham went down with, well, Brandon Graham's confirmed a season ending injury. It looks like Brandon Brooks is in the same boat. And like we said last week, the lines, The, particularly the veteran presences on these lines is the one ace in the hole that this Eagles team has this year. And I think, hey, I mean, just like just like every Eagles season, it seems, we'll see if the young guy can step in and start to grow into the role. But it wasn't going to be in the second half against a pretty good 49ers defense. And at, from that point forward, the Eagles offense struggled to string together uh, plays and establish the run game. The defensive line wasn't getting as much of a push. Garoppolo started to have more success, and the 49ers ended up pulling the game away. Um, I, again, I don't. I think this this Eagles team through two weeks to me is a bit of an enigma. I I, I don't. This game did not go as I thought it was going to go. I thought the offense may have looked better. The one the one thing I really liked i feel like nostradamus after last week was you hear me saying verticality 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 the Eagles offense seemed to only want to go vertical but then we learned what we kind of knew going into the week which is jalen hurts isn't the best vertical yeah. passer <laughs> yep. you know and uh i don't know whether that whether that adjusts going into next week i don't know whether sirianni wants to like stick with it and try and have hurts try to figure it out 
I, I, it was brought to my attention, an interesting tidbit. Um, shout out to Bo Wolf um, in the Eagles Twitter land. But one thing he mentioned was a lot of the off-target throws deep from Hertz were when he was forced off balance and, and didn't get the ball out in time versus yep. the one he had blocked in stride. He had a clean pocket and had a full three-step drop and kind of leaned into the throw. Perhaps the, the thing we know now is just Jalen Hurts is not a – he needs to have a very sturdy throwing platform to hit a deep throw. He can't, he's not like uh, Mahomes right. or Russell Wilson throwing off platforms, slinging it 30, 40 yards down the, down the field every play. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I I'm encouraged by what I see from the defense so far, even with Graham going down, it seems like they're a little bit more sturdy. I mean, I thought they were going to be good. You're the one who thought they were going to be awful <laughs> at the beginning of the year. Uh, yep. it's, it seems like they're a little more sturdy than, than what some gave them credit for, but this offense remains an enigma what to expect from them, what they're trying to do week in, week out. Um, still don't quite know what, what's going to happen with the Eagles this year. Yeah, I think um, the, the defense really has stepped up. Um, so it's a shout-out to those guys for pulling it together, especially, I think, the, the linebacking core, you know, yeah. kind of just, just doing what they have to do. A little bit reminiscent of the Giants defense from last year and linebacking core specifically, where it's just like not allowing any kind of run game, like really helping out and shutting those those um, holes early and then just kind of being in the right place at the right time otherwise, you know. Um, I do think my, my bare thesis is – starting to manifest a little bit in the two Brandon injuries, you know, it's just such a, I think hard to articulate how big the loss of, of those guys independently is not saying that it's like impossible to overcome, but I I truly believe Brandon Brooks is a, a hall of fame talent, like Mm -hmm. one of the best guards of the last 20 years. And it's been really sad to just see him not be on the field um, because he elevates, as I think we saw in week one, like guys just defenses just can't get away from Brandon Brooks when he's on his game. And he allows everybody else on that line to play more aggressively, um, really, you know, trust their assignments. Um, and then Brandon Graham on the other side, kind of, a, have never been like a huge Brandon Graham guy. I don't know if anybody is, but definitely like a plus starter in the league and a mm-hmm. dude who, generates consistent pressure good at sealing the edge on runs like it this is a really uh pivotal challenge for the new eagles coaching staff to deal with and i think it will be fascinating to see how they try to address this whether in personnel personnel rotations or scheme kind of what they concoct to lose what to me are two like obvious net value contributors yep yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I mean, and we also knew this, right? Like, there's yeah. no way this, this you know, aging offensive and defensive line was going to survive the entire year. Yes. For me, it was always a matter of how many make it to the end and, like, <laughs> what are their contributions, <laughs> yeah. you right. know? Um, I mean, yeah, like, I, I want to see the young guys step in. I want to see them succeed. That's half the point of the season. I don't expect the Eagles to really be a real playoff contender um but keeping the older the older guys healthy and having the young guys grow into the roles are going to be the difference between the eagles 
being an optimistic, uh, you know, seven to eight win team on the upswing with some holes that they need to spackle in with their trove of draft picks next year to potentially become a contender and being like a four or five win team and having the panic alarm being hit. Um, I guess I want to go back and hear your thoughts a little bit on what I was saying about Jalen Hurts. Um, yeah, sorry, I got like, I got totally sidetracked. There. No, yeah, I also I also just like kind of word vomited my thoughts uh, as well. So, um, yeah, so I mean, what what is your take through two weeks of the Jalen Hurts starting experience? He's not yeah. lighting on fire. I, I think it's fair I, to say. <laughs> yeah, but I I, I like Jalen Hurts and always have because I think people. Over in some ways, people overrate quarterback impact on a game. As insane mm-hmm. as that is, if you are not an elite or like that tier, just like a very very good quarterback, I think seventy five percent of QB performance comes down to the, the the coaching preparation and the and the talent around them, specifically like the offensive line talent. And I think Hertz is like a classic middle of the road quarterback in that he's he can I think if you put him on a on a 500 talent roster he probably goes about 500 you know mm-hmm. like he can use his legs he's very escapable obviously great for a modern offense the whole the the arm thing I think we knew uh definitely something that you and I have talked about before um and I think that's probably why he wasn't really considered a first round talent at all, despite playing for some really potent college offenses in uh, Alabama and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So I, I still like, I, I think, I think there's a world if you're the Eagles front office where you say Hertz is fine. If we don't like QB talent and we have a ton of picks next year, let's just keep filling in spots elsewhere, shooting for BPA. Yeah. Um, and and let Hertz ride with it until we find a guy we like via trade or draft. Like, I don't think you need to like. I don't think changing Hertz out will like solve any of the Eagles' problems. Yeah, you know. I think I know Dallas fans will not like this comparison, and I don't yeah. think Jalen Hurts is better <laughs> than Dak Prescott at this point. But it's very Prescott esque so far. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's I I people people love to say that pre, like Dak is accurate. I just don't see it on the deep balls. You and I have yeah. again talked about this a lot over the years. It's just mm-hmm. like when Dak is pressed to throw, especially to your point, like if his feet aren't set, when he's pressed to throw like twenty five yards downfield, the accuracy on that ball in terms of like its distance, like it'll be on the right line. But short or overthrown, it, it's like a total crapshoot. Mm-hmm. Hertz is kind of in that same boat to me, um, where it's just not, not really throwing darts. Um, but you know, like that's. I think Hertz is more mobile than Dak. Uh, yeah, like Hertz really has the potential, kind of like Daniel Jones, to just win games with his legs if, if uh, Sirianni senses like a weakness in the defense, you know, yeah. like an exploitable thing that he can just. And manipulate over and over. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see because I, I don't think they're they're directly similar, but they have a lot of similarities. Dak and Jalen, and I think the Cowboys can maybe be even used as a model 
for the Eagles in a certain way of constructing an offense around it, right? To maximize what Hurts does well and minimize what he can't do and still be a potent offense, right? Um, the Cowboys, I think, have done that by absolutely stacking their roster with uh, skill position players who can yeah. operate in space and just basically have Prescott be a distributor um, from 25 yards in, you know? Um, if you hit CD Lamb on a one-on-one coverage within five yards, he can make the corner miss and then gain the first down. And that happens all the time in that Cowboys offense, right? Um, it'll be interesting to see whether, you know, Sirianni sticks with what didn't work and tries to make it work or whether he adapts over the next couple games to what he's seeing Jalen can do well combined with what the, the defense gives them, right? Um so I, I don't know. I, I didn't see the chemistry today, but it's also week two of a new coach and a new QB who are still learning each other, right? And I, I think I agree with you in general. In the long run, the Eagles can still be a very good team with Jalen Hurts, but he he's probably the type of quarterback that needs a specific uh, construction of talent around him as well as a very nuanced playbook, you know? Yeah, and I, I will also say I don't think – I'm trying to – this is kind of off the dome. I don't know if I truly believe this yet. I don't think Hertz and Devonta Smith are, like, the best combination for each other because Devonta Smith is such a pre- precise timing-based route runner with great hands. Mm-hmm. I think if you if you had – obviously, this is an insane reach, but, like, a Drew Brees-style placement pocket quarterback who just could – you could really dice up defenses with that combination – I don't think Hertz is the dude to necessarily amplify Devonta's abilities. Mm-hmm. Not to say that like he hurts them actively, but just you know, if if the Eagles are thinking along the same line, then maybe they're not considering Hertz as like a long term solve either. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see it grow. But I mean, again, I, to me, my biggest vibe from this is weird game. Feels like a game the Eagles could have won, but didn't. Um, and yeah. deservedly so, and and really inconclusive overall. Besides, just last week the lines were good, and this week they were not because we suffered two huge injuries. So yep. we'll see how that we'll see how that grows into next week, especially against the team we're going to talk about next, the Dallas Cowboys. The only W the NFC East took this week, besides um, Washington getting the divisional win. Um, beating the chargers the chargers beat washington last week you can draw that yeah um you can draw that like okay maybe the cowboys are the front runners and our and our washington wins the division picks are already looking kind of stale i'm still unconvinced about the cowboys i think the one thing i would say is the defense is clearly better um they're not gonna be they're not gonna be a a physically dominant defense. Like I think Washington is capable of being, but I think they're going to be pretty opportunistic. And I think they're going to be a, a classic kind of bend. Don't break, but key turnover type defense um, at their best. And and we saw that a bit against the chargers. And um, for me, that I think is the one really positive sign, but on the, on the offensive side, 
looked good, good enough to win the game, obviously. But, you know, as we said last week, not a lot of verticality to the passing game. And also, I mean, I think we also got to bring this back from last season. Zeke still looking like a shell of his 12 and 4 yeah. season self. And Tony Pollard is still clearly the best running back. Maybe the best year. running back in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> when do we start talking about this? As if, we, as if we haven't been talking about this consistently for a full year now. Yeah, it's um, almost it's almost like like it's almost like a thunder and lightning pairing at this point with like Zeke being like the the Brandon Jacobs of that of that team. It's like oh man, I can't believe this is escaping me right now. Who was the Eagles kind of like power runner in the early 2000s? What the heck is his name? Uh L starts Dorsey with an L. Dorsey Levens. Levens. Zeke? <laughs> Zeke is Dorsey Levens. And Tony Pollard is Deuce Staley and Brian Westbrook combined. Into one yeah. <laughs> I think that's I think that's I think that's accurate. I mean Zeke didn't have a ba- Zeke didn't have a bad game. Um he you know, it was like what, like seventy eight yards on like fifteen or so touches and a touchdown. But you're watching him run. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's these, it's almost, it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's Wayne Gallman-esque. It's like, it is. It's, <laughs> it's five yards. Like he hits the hole well. He, he can His identify burst where is to, gone, man. It, it's just the burst is gone where you saw like yeah. a, a few years ago, he hit the hole exactly like he hits the hole now. And then he gets to the second level, he puts on the burners and he's just right. gone, you know? Yeah. Now yeah, it's his- like, he, he kind of initiates contact with the linebackers, kind of puts his head down, almost <laughs> yeah. like he's scared of breaking it breaking it long. You know what I mean? Right. And then just takes the six-yard gainer, which, like, I mean, hey, it's not like a bad running back, but is that like a franchise running back? Like, I, I don't know, man. Yeah, here's – Zeke averaged 4.4 yards per carry, which is very – is totally respectable. Tony Pollard averaged 8.4 it's just like it, it really begs the question at some point because I actually this is Tony Pollard's third year in the league. We are I'm gonna dig into this right now. Every single year, Tony Pollard has had more yards per carry than Zeke in the three years in the league, often by significant amounts. Um, I don't know if we want to get specifically into the numbers, but he's averaging like a full half yard per carry more than Zeke over the course of their career behind the exact same offensive lines. So at some point you have to say, well, this offensive line is really good. I mean, Zeke looked amazing behind them a couple of years ago. And before that, even uh, DeMarco Murray, a lot of those offensive linemen, believe it or not, are the same now as at least Zach Martin and Tyron Smith like are the same. Literally, Pollard now has two over 200 carries. He's averaging five yards per carry. Like, and and the thing is that the Cowboys have clearly recognized this because mm-hmm. they are feeding him so much more. It's just yeah. I don't think that they can truly become powered believers like we all should be because they have so much money tied to see. But if they if if gun to their head if they had to if they had to make an honest choice about who is performing better and who looks better in practice and stuff. I'd be shocked if it weren't Tony Pollard. Honestly, 
not that I ever wish injury on anyone, but if if Zeke experiences an ACL tear or something or goes down injured, is anyone inside the Cowboys building truly panicking? I don't I think, think the answer is yes. No, I don't think the no, answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think I think they're like, oh no, what if Tony goes down? Then who will be our third? Yeah, exactly. Like I, I think I think not that everyone anyone's rooting for it. I think obviously Zeke is Zeke is good enough to want to give touches to. He's not bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? But for like. Sure. I don't think anyone in that room is particularly disappointed at the idea of Tony Pollard getting more touches. <laughs> yeah. <know>? See, <laughs> at this point. I, and it sounds like we're trolling. I know long-time listeners will know that we're not trolling. Maybe we were a long time ago. Might, I, I think I, it might have started as a troll just because yeah. of the contract, but it has grown into Maybe for probably, like a week. Probably yeah. our most correct take. That is, I, think, that is, <laughs> I think the thing that's so telling is every – because I know we're both so on the Pollard bandwagon, I look for him every week, and it's like every week he outperforms Zeke. It's like yes. like clockwork. It's not literally go back through the game logs, people. Look it up yourself. The evidence is there for everyone to see, and it looks like it on the field too. Pollard just runs angry, way more explosive, faster to hit the hole. Uh, they've got him returning kicks now, which seems like a risky thing to do with your best player on the whole team, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, yeah, it is, it is like Brian Westbrook returning kicks back in the year, back in the two thousand. I, <laughs> I hear you having your best running back thrown back yeah. there. Um, my my only thing I'll say about Zeke is that he's probably one of the, I mean, he's definitely one of the best pass blocking running backs in yeah. the NFL. But you know, yeah, how good was Dorsey Levinson pass blocking? Doesn't <laughs> really got to ask the question. Doesn't get no, your reps necessarily. Yeah, I think maybe when we when this when this take started matriculating, there may have been a feeling in the air like, oh, maybe Tony is like benefiting from the defense selling out to stop Zeke. Maybe that's why Zeke is having so much issues. But I think this season, especially this game, right? I think defenses are giving more respect to the Cowboys passing game than either the running backs at this point. Cause you're seeing the the both of them got plenty of space and holes to run through last week against the chargers and yeah. pretty much given like it was, it, this is the most all things equal. I think their, their touches and running opportunities have been and literally Pollard averaged four yards more gained 40 yards more and also yeah. scored, you know, yeah, like, <laughs> And they can both catch the ball out of the backfield. Like, yeah, Zeke's good at it, but so is Pollard. I, I feel like, uh, sorry that Tony Pollard is Adrian Peterson in silver and blue. Like, I don't. He just looks incredible. <laughs> I'm just gonna right. keep magnifying the scale of this take because it keeps being true. <laughs> it keeps being. No, I'm gonna I mean, talk to my kids about Tony Pollard, like grandfathers talk to us about Jim Brown. Like no, what I, I really think we're at a place of the Tony Pollard take while, while we're like waiting to smash the buy button to get in and, and establish our investment in, in Taylor Heineke with Pollard. We bought in a year ago and we're just averaging up at this point. You know, we're the people who, who invented this. That's what I'm saying. We, we, <laughs> we're just trying to maximize our return on this. Like right. every time we paycheck, every time we liquidate something else, 
We're trying right. to like throw it more into Tony Pollard. Yeah. Then we have to gas him up more. Like we've already established a floor that he's the best player on the Cowboys. The only place to then anchor him to then have him get to would be Adrian Peterson. You know, right. like, like <laughs> we've tied, we've tied so much. Like we've tied our mortgages to Tony Pollard stock, like because we're such strong believers in it. You're right. Like everything I own is based on Tony Pollard's performance and I keep being right. No, this is that we're in a Pollard bubble, and the only way we profit from this is if we keep going in, keep investing, <laughs> and try to get out before it bursts. Try to get out before the ACL tear. That's right. Definitely going to happen if we keep doing this. <laughs> yeah, right. We're never we're never right about anything for a long enough time. <laughs> Well, I'm so happy we talked about Tony Pollard exclusively for our Cowboys yeah. review. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> they look good. They do look good. Uh, I think there's reasons to be optimistic. Road win against a good team. You always got to feel good about it. There are yeah. things to improve on. My con- point of concern would be they once again won the turnover battle. They actually won the penalties battle too, and they still kind of squeaked by. Yeah. There's And the other point of concern is that Demarcus Lawrence is – has a broken foot and is going to miss a ton of time. Um, that happened before the game, and they still looked good. So take that as you will. But they 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 look like a strong team right now. You know, I don't know. Yeah. If, I don't know if I'm buying Cowboys stock yet. I guess this is our stock themed week. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely watching with interest. Yeah, I don't. I I don't want to. I don't want to. While I'm while I'm definitely uh, approaching a Giants cross off, I don't want to give up my Washington wins division take. No, I'm yet. not. Yeah, and, I, and I'm not. And, I, and I'm not sold on Dallas yet either. Even though the early returns through two weeks look good, I think honestly to to pivot um, this Eagles game is a great litmus test for them because I think the Eagles, with what they have shown to do well in the first two games um, are a team that could and should give the Cowboys problems, but also the Cowboys at their best should be able to beat um, given just how much the team, the Eagles are trying to figure things out right now, still getting their feet under them, adjusting to two huge injuries last week, um, trying to find an identity with Sirianni and Hertz, right? Like it, it, the Eagles have been proven to be good, but I think they're a team that, um, doesn't know themselves very well right now, where the Cowboys are pretty much the same team they've been yeah. for the past three years. And I think that's maybe some of the early season continuity we're seeing and why they look like the strongest coming out the gates. And that should be an advantage with the talent that they have to easily kind of handle this Eagles team early in the year. But if the Eagles give them trouble then you're looking more like the uh, shaky Jerry Jones at the top culture question marks, Raftery perma Cowboys bear, like <laughs> yeah. um, sort of team, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, given in normally I would say that this is an Eagles win because it just has, the vibe of a Cowboys disappointment. It's Monday night football. It's in Dallas. You know, there's going to be 80 shots of Jerry in the booth watching. It's, you just know exactly the kind of game this is. And Dallas loses by like 10 points with the like clincher being a pick six in the late fourth quarter. Like that's just, it's just that sort of game. But 
Um, I think I just need to see what Philly looks like without Brooks and Graham and the week of prep in between then. It's just the vibes say Philly, but I've got to go like chalk Dallas here in a very close game. Um, I'm going to say, and also kind of a shootout, actually. I'm going to say, let's go 34 to 31. Oof. All right. So you you really got me hyped with your, with your, with your vibes assessment of this game, <laughs> really looking forward to it. Dallas week is always the best, um, especially in Dallas. I could see in my mind's eye that iconic Jerry press box shot with like the, the, um, the jumbotron at Cowboy stadium reflecting off the glass and just yeah. him looking <laughs> dejected because like Dak Prescott like chucked a pick six to ice the game or something. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this game is probably won and lost in the first half, if not the first quarter. That sounds weird for me to say, but I, I think if the Eagles are going to lose this game, they're going to look very cold coming out the gates and figure it out and not the other way around. Um, I do think ultimately this is probably going to be a Cowboys win, no matter how much I don't want it to happen. But I think it'll be very close. I think it'll probably be a little bit lower scoring than what you're saying. Um, Eagles defenses look pretty good. And I think that what they're doing well is something that should be able to neutralize what the Cowboys want to do. Um, Like the Eagles defense has been very good at keeping things in front of them, which is what the Cowboys play on offense naturally, you know? So will... Will the Cowboys be able to punch in in the red zone? I don't really know at this point, you know? Um, I think it'll be probably like a 27 to 17 win with like a weird, it might be close, but there'll be like a turnover or something like Hertz will cough it up, um, or something that will ice it for the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, I, I think it's going to be a classic weird NFC East game, especially in prime time, truly a coin flip. Be, especially since I think the, the Cowboys are probably the highest variance team in the whole division. Like they, uh, they, I, I feel like they could beat anybody, but yeah. even more so, I think that they can just shoot themselves in the foot. So yeah. also very weird that this game is happening so early in the season. I feel like I'm used to seeing oh, Eagles Cowboys. Exclusively. Well, usually it's because this is like the giants game. Giants and yeah. Cowboys always play early and then always play again mid-season. And then Giants and Eagles are the mid-season and late-season game. This yeah. year, for some reason, they decided to flip that script. Yeah. Um, like, I, I'm very used to... I think that's also weighing into my Cowboys win, because typically the Eagles, even if they start cold, um, are usually hitting some sort of mid-season form. You know what they are by the time they go into Dallas or invite Dallas up to Philly. I just think, I just think too much will go wrong because it's still too early in the season for a pretty immature Eagles team um, yep. for there for it to be a win. But I do think you play this game eight weeks later in the season, it's probably more likely the vibes win through and a more predictable, traditional Cowboys-Eagles game happens. You know? <laughs> yep. For um, sure. All right, man. Take around the league. Yeah, let's do it. I've, I, I got one. You got one? Yes. Do you want? Should I go first? Yeah, go first. 
this is a, this is tough in one way for uh, the best running back in the NFL, not named Tony Pollard. Derrick Henry, he's so hot right now. Dude is unstoppable week in and week out. His career, I realized this today, is so similar to O.J. Simpson's career that Derrick shouldn't be buying any white Broncos. It's... <laughs> I I'm gonna I'm gonna walk you through some just some light stuff, okay? Uh-huh. Yeah. I I'm not making any aspersions <laughs> as to Derrick Henry's character. I'm sure like Kadarius Tony, he's a very nice guy. Um, <laughs> but both of them were dominant college prospects, Heisman Trophy winners. Both of them went to uh AFC teams that where the coach misused them for the first couple years of their career. OJ Simpson uh, was kind of used as like a blocking back, which is a super bizarre thing to do at like a esteemed college prick. And then there was a coaching change in Buffalo and he ripped off five straight all pro seasons, including some of the most dominant rushing seasons of all time, kind of a classic running back peak. Derrick Henry, virtually the exact same thing. First three seasons in the league, scuffling them along, borderline bust status. Then coaching change. Somebody realizes how to use him. He breaks off that ninety-nine yard run, like late in that in that year. I think twenty eighteen, I guess, uh, and never really looked back. It just became obvious what his skills were. So uh, that's my take: is that if 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 you're looking at Derrick Henry right now, and you're saying, "Man, how dominant is he?" Like. What is this like? I think this is what like watching OJ was like in 1973 or whenever. That's my take. I feel like watching Derrick Henry is like watching London Fletcher play running back. <laughs> yeah, I don't stylistically. I don't want to delve into the weeds, especially since like OJ tape is, you know, it's a long time ago. The game is very different. I'm not, I'm just saying in terms of like their production, in terms of how they're used, it's kind of fascinating how both of them weren't recognized somehow for what they could actually do until a new coach took over. And it's not like either of them were Tony Pollard's status, just like random guys, you know? Mm-hmm. So basically what I'm saying is if you are looking into Derrick Henry for fantasy football purposes, you have two more years after this one to get in on the top shelf and then never buy again. Thanks. Thanks for the advice as a, as a Derrick Henry owner in the league that you play in. I appreciate yes. you giving me. Some you advice. have, you have two years <laughs> and then you let him go. I'm telling you now. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with another player comp as my take. And this is, oh, I like this. This is, this is some lions. This is some lions takes. <laughs> remember, can I just interject? True, true fans will remember that last year we talked about how we never watched the lions. So I'm fascinated <laughs> by this take. And this isn't even like a modern lions take. Uh, Calvin Johnson is the wide receiver Barry Sanders. Period. Wow. I mean. Because of what happened in their career? Stylistically, I wouldn't say they're similar, but... No, just the arc and story of their career. To, yes. yeah. like, of, of the most, like, imposing dominant forces in the game at their respective positions, languishing 
on the Detroit Lions for their entire career, while also weirdly like loyal and finishing their career there and being like a franchise legend. Um, yeah, and being like so depressed by that that they they didn't even like seek opportunities elsewhere. Yeah, they were yeah. just like it's literally know. it's literally we saw Barry Sanders' career arc play in front of our eyes again, and it's in the form of Calvin Johnson. And I, I think you're seeing like the returns on that. There's a weird this came up this came to my mind seeing Matthew Stafford look pretty good out the gates with the Rams, and it just highlighted mm-hmm. for me how good those Stafford Johnson Lions teams could have and should have been, but they're just the Detroit Lions. And yeah. <laughs> you know? It's really, it's really weird when football more so than other sports, like if your organization is just cursed for some reason, they're especially cursed. Like obviously there are organizations with bad luck across all sports, but football specifically, it's like I feel this way about the Giants just in the last ten years. Um, but obviously, that's nothing compared to what Lions fans have gone through. One playoff win since nineteen fifty-seven. Um, hard to imagine, but like, there's something going on in ownership or like something about their way they're running things because it's just been. It can't just be coincidence that they're this bad all the time, right? Like. There's something I, I, insidiously wrong there. I, I think we mentioned this last year, but I think the Lions are probably the closest to an honorary least member in the NFC. Uh, I think the Jets are probably there for the AFC team, and I think the Lions are, are probably an honorary team in the NFC. Yeah. It's sad. It's I, I If there's one team that I'd really like to have success it is the lions forget about the browns uh or the jet definitely not the jets i want the jets to be bad forever just because it's so much fun um I, there's the jets should have moved to la the rams should have stayed in st louis <laughs> <laughs> just send that I think, out <laughs> uh man the jets that now is not the time to get into jets talk but we both know jets people and somehow they're they're way more optimistic than they should be, like all the time. Yeah, it's very strange. The Jets are not even like the best team in the NFL at what the Jets are. Like the Chargers are the best second fiddle team in a major market in, in the <laughs> NFL. And the only time oh, the Jets man. were good was when they took Ladadian Tomlinson and, and a bunch of Chargers rejects. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's the real take of the week. That's a good one. <laughs> Oh, the man. Antonio Cromartie, Ladanian Tomlinson teams when when the when the Jets of the West went east, you know it it is such a missed <laughs> opportunity that the Jets have completely squandered the Giants' era of bad football because New York is not like a huge football town. Like if we're being honest, like there's just too many other things going on. The season's too short. The stadiums in Jersey doesn't super work for those reasons, but. If the Jets had been really good over the last ten years, man, it could have it could have flipped the script, but couldn't happen because they're the Jets. Impossible to happen. Yeah, man, I like I like where we got to today. All right, let's uh, let's wrap it up for today, man. Uh, I'm looking forward to Dallas week. I'm looking forward to talking about this more next week. Until next week, man. Sounds good, buddy.